Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening, downloading the podcast. Uh, we are recording this on a little bit later on Sunday afternoon, the day of the Masters. You didn't get a chance to watch much of the Masters. I watched very little of the Masters. And yeah. That's just because the stupid screwed up year. Like, I'm just right. not going to choose golf over football. So, okay. But in a normal year, would you watch Masters coverage? I always watch the last day of the Masters. Okay. I don't. I don't watch Thursday through Sunday, but I always watch Sunday. I okay, love I'm watching. more of a very much check in Thursday, Friday. We'll watch absolutely as much as I can Saturday or Sunday. But as you already pointed out, I agree. When given the choice between Masters and college football, I, I chose college football. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it's not golf, even. A, but not it's not a much. decision. Um, so we've been meaning to talk about golf. For a while. So as we said, uh, Dustin Johnson won the Masters. Yeah. He uh, laid waste to the field, kind of like uh, what Wisconsin did to Michigan on now Saturday I, night. I, yeah, the similar. We'll get into that. Um, now, I did. Didn't uh, Tiger have like a 10 yes. on a hole? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I he just... went in the water twice. No way. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. There are a ton of uh, Tiger lovers on Twitter, shout out to uh, Vegas sportsbook guy who yeah. listens to us. Who I like Tiger. Loves. Oh yeah, I, I do. Always, I, I've always liked Tiger. Me too. Um, but yeah, when that stuff happens, they melt down. But yeah, Dustin Johnson wins, uh, which is great because we get to see Paulina and her Gretzky's uh, meet him on the 18th green. Okay. Paulina Gretzky is his wife. So that's Wayne's daughter, right? Yes, I've yes. seen. It's very okay. well put together. I daughter. did not know that. That's who his wife was. I've seen her. Quite, at, quite the family. Uh, yeah, some good genes <laughs> there. Um, so I got two kind of good stories here, golf-related, and then we can move on. But So the craziest thing is I have seen or been a part of seven hole-in-ones yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. We, and did we talk about that on another pod? I'm pretty sure you we talked about we this didn't. on a pod. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll skip that one. Um, and then here's the, here's the funny major. I've never seen one by the way. And you still have, you have not seen one. I've never seen a hole in one. It's, it's very rare. My grandfather had a handful of them though. I know that, Uh, but he golfed every day. I think my neighbors, I believe have seven between the two of them. No kidding. They golf every single day. They're like 70 years old. This this spans over 40 years of golfing, but yeah. I mean, maybe I should just go to a, go to a golf course and just, just stay on the the par three. Yeah. And just keep cranking shots all day long. Yeah. Well, one of them's bound to go. But in that's eventually. not a organic hole in one. I mean, you got you to gotta golf around and then. Oh, then I don't up. even want to try. <laughs> um, anyway, so my buddy Artie, who we've mentioned on the podcast before, he's got an awesome story. So Zach Johnson, a golfer from the state of Iowa, was actually born okay. and raised in Iowa City. He's a huge Hawkeye fan. He's gotten into the locker room and talked to the team a bunch over Kirk Ferentz's tenure. Um, so he actually went to Drake University. Okay. Uh, my brother was at, at Drake the same time he was there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but anyways, one of my uh, – Artie, my buddy, is was a buddy of one of his teammates at Drake. So he was on the Drake golf team. Okay. And first of all, they just all said he was a good golfer, but he just kept grinding and grinding. Like he was relentless at practicing and getting good at it. Okay. And he got to the PGA tour. So that's a, you know, pretty awesome story for Zach Johnson. But so already got to be uh, friends with this guy. I don't know his name. Let's call him Ryan. Okay. So again, Ryan was good friends with Zach Johnson. Okay. 
So Artie's a funny dude. He he showed up late for this, you know, small town golf tournament, you know, like a four-man best shot type of deal is all sure. it was. He forgot his clubs. Okay? okay. There's some story about how he didn't have his clubs. So they gave him these these clubs that they had at the golf course. And one of the one of the putter was this like five foot tall putter. Okay. With a big, huge head on it. And it's like these weird style putters. Putters are weird. There's like a hundred different styles. Right. Of it's the one where you like, you're, it's like a stand up. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. You, have, you got your hand way at the top and another one way Correct. below it at the bottom. And this thing yeah. was huge. Like the head okay. on it, he said it was like a, like, it's like a, like a dish like plate. that? <laughs> I do not know. He goes, but the funny thing, he's like, Booker. This is how he talks. like, I was draining putts. <laughs> of course. So he of was, course. He was just rolling putts in. Him and his team win the tournament and he talks to the golf course he's like i want to buy this putter can right. you can, and they said just just take the putter man oh really yeah, they so gave, they just, yeah but i bet, just a rented club putter but he probably never played a good round with that putter again <laughs> well actually he didn't even try <laughs> okay because what he did was he took it to a trophy shop and he had it bronzed <laughs> he had it bronzed and then took it back to the same golf tournament the next year okay. and, and like presented it to the to the uh, uh, country club or to his oh, buddies or whatever. Funny. And everybody died laughing, thought it was funny. Ryan, Zach Johnson's buddy, told mm-hmm. Zach Johnson about it. Okay. And Zach Johnson said, get that putter to me. He took the putter and he took it over this over the Atlantic Ocean and brought it with him to the British Open. Okay. And it was either the year after he won the British Open, okay. I think it might have been that same year, which was 2015. Okay. Zach Johnson won the British Open and took a picture somewhere on the golf course, like the first tee box, with that bronzed putter and sent the picture back to his buddies and then already saw it. I used to have the picture saved in a phone, but what I, I was, don't have it anymore. What was so intriguing about this putter to Zach Johnson? Because he thought the story was hilarious. Right. That, that, that Artie brought... Isn't, isn't that hilarious? Yeah. You, think that, you just think it's weird? I think it's, I think it's classic that he would do it in the first place. It's strange, though. Okay. I mean, it's okay. just kind of random that it he is. would be this attached to this putter. Was that a Zach Johnson? Yeah. He's not attached to it. He thought the story was funny. I get it. But then it's so funny that he has to bring the putter. But that's o- what but that's what makes it epic that he brought it I over mean, it's the just, British It's open. funny, but it's Wow, weird. way to just shit on my story, man. That, oh, that, sorry, is, a, man. that is a funny story. Right there. It's not. I'm not shitting on your story. I'm saying Zach Johnson. You're a little strange. You're shitting on Zach Johnson. Is yes. What you're doing. Okay. I'm shitting on Zach Johnson. Two, two-time major winner. Won the, won the Masters in 2007 as well. Oh, but, did he really? Yeah. I mean, I know the name. Yeah. Yeah. Very good golfer. And I'm not a golf fan. No. So. Okay. All right. Okay. A couple things. First of all, I wanted to start out talking a little bit about some troubles we've been having with Apple. Um, looked into it. Uh, a lot of people haven't been able to download the podcast recently. Apologies. Um, it seems to be on Apple's end, even though they tell me everything's A-OK on their end. It's not publishing. Now, it's, it's downloading to Apple Podcasts. Now, I recommend everyone update to the most recent uh, operating system because that helped me. It wasn't that downloading for a while. Okay. I upgraded, then it started downloading. But it seems like Apple it won't register to Apple iTunes. I don't know who would listen to it on Apple iTunes, but apparently some people get that's that's how they get so our that, podcast. Okay, so that would be the first piece of advice is if you have yeah. an Apple product, you can find the podcast icon, use you should, it, yeah. and then look for okay. Yeah. So go to your Apple podcast and make sure you have the updated uh, OS, which is fourteen point one. 
and then it should be fine. Or or just go over to Podbean. It's it's a great app too. You can listen to it there. It, it, there's no problems there, and it's downloading to Spotify. It's been a little weird, but it, it is downloading okay. to Spotify. So you can also listen to it there. Now, ironically, if you're hearing Kurt tell that explanation. That's because you're listening to the podcast. I know. But maybe there was a struggle getting to it, and hopefully it'll be smoother yep. after hearing that. Exactly. So yeah. let's move on to the weekly Eisman watch list. So we got a number of candidates here, some really good ones. Tyler Goodson on Friday night had a great night. For Iowa, 20 carries, 142 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Ramad Chikai Bowman for Northwestern. Who was this guy? Where did he come from? Eight catches, 86 yards, three touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Isaiah Williams. The quarterback for Illinois, only 7 of 18 passing for 104 yards, but 192 yards rushing, setting an Illinois quarterback rushing record in his first ever start on 31 carries and had a touchdown rushing, too. One start, already set a record. We'll get to that when we break down the game, but I got some thoughts. But the winner here is Ty Freifogel. This guy, to me, has emerged as one of the best non-Ohio State wide receivers in the Big Ten. I I think he's probably top three. Yes, I mean, and I mean consistency. He's doing this very consistent every week. He's big. He's strong. He's also. I really enjoy hearing him get interviewed. He's he's a humble guy. Um, Eleven catches, two hundred yards, and two big touchdowns. Really had a great time watching him um, in that big victory over the Spartans. So Ty Freifogel, you are Week Four Eisman winner. And uh, shout out to Justin Fields for not being on the list this week, simply because he didn't play a football game. Probably the only time we're not going to mention him all year. <laughs> All right, we'll get right into the games. We had six games total because the aforementioned uh, Ohio State-Maryland uh, game was was canceled, as we talked about before. So first one up on Friday night, Iowa 35, Minnesota 7. The Hawks with 346 yards of total offense to the Gophers 312. Uh, the Hawks were favored by three and a half, so they obviously covered that very easily. And just because of the lack of alpha uh, point total for Minnesota, that stayed well under the 58. So first things first, Big Kurt and I were in attendance at the game. And to quote Frank the Tank, I had an awesome time. That's how I... You know, I had such a good time that it carried over through the rest of the weekend for me. It really did. Like, I'm still in a good mood. I am From Friday night. Correct. Because it just reminded reminded me what it's like to be a human again. I I feel like a human being. I even took family pictures this morning on Sunday, and I still felt that the good feelings of Friday night through Saturday into Sunday were still there. It's like, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. Maybe this is me just making something out of nothing, but... I swear football weekends, college football weekends are either everything's going great or everything's yeah. shit. And for me, Friday night started out great. I had a good to really good day handicapping on Saturday. Yeah. It, it, you we so, had blast Friday night. Illinois wins. Illinois wins. It's, it's, it's like everything yep. just kind of just, you know, goes together. Yeah, I'm still on a high. And by the way, so the... I'll let the cat out of the bag. My last name is Van Valkenburg. That's where we got the tickets from. So Kurt Van Valkenburg, there it is. It's out of the bag. Just just to make sure that's a joke. That's not actually how we got the tickets. We we got the tickets in undisclosed uh, ways, but uh, definitely was very nice. Um, it was equal parts cold and fun. I, I rewatched it, and it, the, the TV coverage, they did not give enough credit for how cold and windy oh, the, it was the conditions were terrible it really was i mean so we'll it get, was dry but that's it it yeah, was cold the wind was whipping around even though it was weird like you'd look at the 
the goalposts. And it didn't look like, you know, the little flags at the top were blown that hard, but it was just swirling everywhere. Yeah. So I think that, well, it definitely played into the stats. Like, I think so, for sure. What did Pet- we go over Petrus and, and Tanner Morgan both, both struggled yeah. throwing the ball, and I yep. can't blame them because it was awful out there. But were you cold at all? <laughs> was I cold? I wasn't cold. I felt gr- I was. I, <laughs> I was cold. Yeah. So, um, so I did not rewatch the game. And, okay. and by the way, I was... I might have been a little intoxicated at the game, so <laughs> well. my memories of this game are a little foggy. But <laughs> me as well. It was it was quite it was just quite a different experience actually seeing, you know, photons reflecting off of real people as opposed to getting emitted from an LED screen. <laughs> well, and then the other part that was surreal is the fact that I mean, it felt like we were part of an exclusive club because well, of there's nobody in the stadium. Well, the cool thing is everyone there is like a parent of one of the players. Correct. So you just like you'd be taking a whiz next to Tyler Goodson's dad, you know? Like, "Hey, your son's having a great game." That's exactly how it was. It was awesome cuz you I mean, a lot of times the dads wear the jerseys yeah, almost son, always. So, so you know. So I mean, I talked to um, I talked to Makai Sargent's dad. Yep. I talked to Davian Nixon's dad. Uh, we had an awesome uh, conversation with Riley Moss's dad. Yep. I mean, I hope they don't mind bringing up their names because they were all awesome and that cool was fun and cool to talk to. And so. then you know, of course, you're high fiving people who's you know who's great. Whose kids are on the team every time they score. Yeah. God, what an experience! It was just fun. Um, do you know what the announced crowd was for the game? <laughs> I to mean, take a guess. it was so sparse. Yeah. There was hardly anybody there. It didn't seem like from the Gopher side there was very many no i mean i'm gonna guess 500 it was announced 771 okay i believe that okay believe uh, that, that is a very parsed out 771 like i sort of gathered counting the coaches and players and the officials so, on the team such a I mean, weird feeling though because you're like you know it's a real game but it feels like a scrimmage right it was just such a strange experience but cool oh it was great i, I mean had a it's blast. almost like you know the i hope this is our last chance to watch a you know, shut down stadium type of game. Yeah. I hope we're at full capacities or something like that. But looking back, we'll be able to say, Hey, I was at one of those games, you know, that was yeah. pretty much empty. So I guess that was pretty cool. Okay. We've already talked for a couple of minutes. We'll actually talk about the game now. Um, yikes. Uh, I felt like there was in a game like this, that is cold and windy. It helps to have a advantage in the trenches and I think it pretty much goes yeah. without saying that Iowa had quite the advantage in the trenches over Minnesota on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they were dominating on both sides of the line of, line of scrimmage. I mean, it's not like they ran away with the game instantly, but there was, I mean, you could tell who the better team was, I felt like, the whole time. Yeah, I definitely felt the better team won, but I would say that, that Iowa definitely ran away with the game up front Iowa's O-line versus Minnesota's front seven. I don't think that's even really up for debate. Yep. But I would say on the flip side, it was a bit more of a stalemate. I mean, I I would give slight advantage to Iowa, but, you know, maybe both Minnesota and Iowa fans need to hear this. This was a 14 to nothing game, 14 point game into the fourth quarter. Like we're going to remember the final score of 35 to seven at one point, 35 to nothing. But, you know, that scoring did not happen until the fourth quarter. I mean, Minnesota was still in this game late, but I'm telling you right now, like I'm hearing a lot of Gopher fans being upset and they seem to be laying a ton of blame on the offense. Yeah. Okay. And I understand, I mean, they almost got shut out. We'll talk about that probably at the end, but like, I really feel like at the, at the heart of the issue with Minnesota 
is that run defense. And when you know, and I don't care if you're the backup left guard, when you know that your defense is going to get out, go out there and just get run over mm-hmm. like that, it it permeates a feeling of hopelessness sure. throughout the entire team. Is well, that fair? Yeah, that's fair. And and then, you know, you got a Minnesota team offensively that's normally very balanced that, you know, you're limited through the air based on the conditions. So you just had to feed Mo. You know, Mo Ibrahim, I, bruh, him. Mo Ibrahim, nice. he's the only running back that carried the ball for the Gophers. Yeah. I mean, 30 Three carries for 144 yards. He didn't have a bad game, but didn't have a, a great game. So the, there's a Minnesota fan. I'll leave him unnamed, but we were talking offline before the game, and he was saying, boy, don't you want to get carries up for Tyler Goodson? And I looked over his games. I'm like, yeah, maybe he could have had a couple carries here and there. And I said, but, man, I tell you what, you, PJ's got to give Mo a break every Absolutely. now and then. And then it not only was it that play out again, it was as worse as – any, I mean, they're, they're just running Mo into the ground. I mean, like, it, it was pretty obvious. I, I mean, we haven't talked a ton about it, but it was pretty obvious that the only two players that PJ and the offense trusted yeah. were Mo and Bateman. I know. It's it's Morgan trying to find uh, Bateman and then handing off to Mo. And that's, I mean, that's two great guys to do right, it. But, but they, they are NFL players. But they know, the, the Hawkeyes knew where the ball was going. That's That's know? where I felt like... And maybe you got to give Phil Parker, Iowa defensive coordinator, a little bit of credit in the fact that he, the game plan dictated that, that, you know, if you're going to beat us, you better beat us with somebody else. And maybe that's, maybe that's how it went down. That's a good point. Um, So the Hawkeyes, you know, they, they, after that kind of, they stumbled out of the gate here, 0-2, they look like a contender. I mean, if, if they hadn't gotten behind the eight ball, this could be someone that I think has the potential to win the West the way they've been playing the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, as it turns out, the game I should point to the most is Northwestern, but for me, I still got to burn my saddle for Purdue because I yeah. feel like that's a game that Iowa should have won. I mean, Iowa's defense is good to – it's bordering on great. Yeah. Um, the special teams are already great. Yep. Side uh, note. So I wanted to point out okay. – well, hold on. Okay. Tory Taylor – did you know Iowa punter? He had zero punts inside the twenty. I just wanted to point that out. Are you sure about that? That's what I. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, okay. I thought I remembered one inside the fifteen or even ten. Yeah, you, but sure. Iowa be. punts. Okay. Hold on. Thirty three right. punts, 133 yards, okay. 44.3 so average, mm-hmm. zero inside the twenty. Okay. Zero punts short. inside we, the twenty. We saw how cold it was and that football must have felt like a hockey puck. oh god that must have hurt so bad. every time you kicked it yeah. and the way that aussie from a warm weather climate was able to kick the ball it was it impressive was, it was impressive. but and then i was running attack is very good like almost all phases of this football team is good to excellent but the passing game remains the issue and quite honestly that's why they lost the game versus both northwestern and purdue but man this looks like what would be typically an Iowa football team. Yeah. It just did not get the chance to work out the kinks and round things more into form with the offseason. That's right. And I think maybe, as it turns out, Iowa was one of the teams that missed those games as much as anybody in the Big Ten. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, everyone missed them. But, yeah, certainly uh, impacted the Hawks. I'm just looking down the stats here. Uh you know, yardage, 346 to 312, not too bad. But the rushing, 235 to 145 for the Gophers, obviously dominant. 
Number of penalties, eight for 85 yards on the Gophers. Um, they lost the turnover battle. But can you believe that they won the time of possession battle? 36 minutes to 24 minutes. Did not feel like that. It didn't feel like that at all. That's impressive. I know that's what they want to do, so they, they succeeded there. Uh, just not enough to get the, the but, job done. But we were struggling with time a bit on Friday night because yes. uh, when you're that cold, timeouts that probably went by as fast as what they typically do when you're sitting on your couch, they sure seemed a lot longer when we were cold. Sitting, they didn't. Sitting. I don't know. Nothing seemed that long to me. I don't. I was in. I was you're in a state. You're doing you're Anyways, okay, so a lot of fun. Um, uh, then at the end of the game, I mean, we yeah. pretty much have to talk about have this, to. right? So this is a rivalry. I don't know if you know that, but uh, these are th- these are two football programs that have history going all the way back to the beginning of the Floyd of Rosedale of not liking each other. Uh, Hayden but, Fry poked the bear when he felt like he was getting made fun of some 35 years ago. But I think it's more than that. I think there's a rivalry amongst two of the coaches that were in this game. Well, I think it's more than two. But the, what we're dancing around is that the the P.J. Fleck Minnesota staff and the Kirk Ferentz Iowa staff are none too fond of each other, and I don't think they're really even hiding it at this point. Nope. So at the end of the game... So this is my first thing I want to talk about is, so it's 35 to nothing, right? Yep. And I just want to say, I certainly understand if you don't want to get shut out, correct? Sure. Nobody wants to of put course. a shutout on the resume as an offensive coach, any coach in any capacity. But one thing that was crazy to me, okay? And, and I might, my fandom might come out here. And if it does, I'm an Iowa fan. I don't know how else to hide it. But as a Minnesota fan, okay? Or I, or I should say, I would have a question for a Minnesota fan. Okay. Are you okay with PJ leaving Rashad Bateman, yeah. M- Moe Ibrahim, and Tanner Morgan all the way in that game till the end of the game? That We're is kind of weird. Kind of weird. If Rashad Bateman gets hit with 30 seconds left in the game right. and gets hurt, and Rashad Bateman's parents come up to Coach uh, Fleck and say, why was Rashad still in that game? Sure. What's the answer that he would give? I just wanted. Well, I, I, I didn't I, want to get shut out. Is that is that good enough to you? Because I was. I mean, it wouldn't be no. Because once Iowa got to thirty-five to nothing, they pulled starters on both sides of the field. Sure. So Rashad Bateman scored with fourteen seconds left. I couldn't, I couldn't remember how many seconds were left. Yes, fourteen seconds left. So with thirty-three seconds left, uh, it, it was first and goal. Tanner Morgan ran the ball. Got five yards, so it was first and goal roughly from the five. Yep. Minnesota called a timeout. At that point, the clock either runs out or you try to score. They they called the timeout. Right. And at that point, Kirk Ferentz said, "Okay, leap you. you you're going to call a timeout? I'm going to call a timeout because I got three of them, baby. And you can't take them home. You can't take them with you. So he called... Three consecutive timeouts Correct. after that. Correct. And we were just cracking up. We were dying. La- the, I mean, we're on the Iowa side, obviously, and we were we, we found that to be high comedy. There was there was no doubt why that was going on. And I'd like to point out, Iowa's got their second and third string players in. They're probably not as comfortable with the game plan. So they're they're trying to keep Bateman and company out of the end zone oh, at sure. that point. I mean, both teams are have the the same goal. One I mean, obviously one to score, one to keep them out, but that was what Iowa was doing was was trying to get their defense organized to try to stop and it didn't work. Um, so, anyways, it was a funny moment. Um, afterwards, 
Coach Ferentz was asked in the press conference why he did that. He explained it through a little bit before that. Then at the end, he just said, we figured we'd take Floyd with us and leave the timeouts here. Hey, yo. Print the shirts because that's going to go down in Hawkeye lore. Yeah. Fun times. Hey, big win and got the pig, man. And Kept got the pig. the pig. Kept the pig. Six years in a row. Still the only team that PJ hasn't beat. Yeah. Is the Iowa Hawkeyes, as far as Big Ten West teams, excuse me. Yes. So with the win, the Hawks move to two and two. The Gophers fall to one and three. Moving on to Saturday, we had three early games. First up, Indiana 24, Michigan State 0. The Hoosiers with 433 yards of total offense. That's pretty impressive. Even more impressive out of their defense, the Spartans with only 191. Hoosiers favored by 7.5. They covered that easy. 51.5 was the over-under. This was well under because of, obviously, the work that the Hoosier uh, uh, defense did on Sparty. So, obviously, it's a, it's a kind of a turning point season here for the Indiana Hoosiers where they get a big win against Penn State. They get a win against Michigan. And... I just I think this is another step here where you know you're playing a team that you probably should beat. And not only do they beat them, they came out and just dominated them from the start to the finish in this game. They they're playing big boy football right now. They're definitely playing big boy football mostly on the defensive side of the right. field. I mean, we kind of talked about it in the last podcast how impressed we were with you know their secondary come up and hit their Gosh, whole front I seven. I love mean, their secondary. This is one of the best defenses in the Big 10. And you might not realize it. I mean, other than that, Indiana kind of just keeps being... 2020 Indiana just keeps being 2020 Indiana. Like, they're not exactly destroying the competition, but there's no debate on who the best team is after they leave. Oh, I mean, this is destruction, though. I mean, a shutout, too. That's big boy football right there. But a little more about that defense. Um, So, on, on Twitter... Hoosier Al one 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 big you know him big yep. uh, big Hoosier yep. fan he he uh, was texting me during the game a lot and he's come up with a nickname for Jerome Johnson on the defensive line okay. big guy yep um, he's calling him Demolition Man because he like blows it. everything up and he's got the he's got the dyed hair like Wesley Snipes and Demolition Man <laughs> nice that's fantastic so, so from now on uh, Jerome Johnson Demo Man. I love Taiwan Ty- <laughs> Mullen. Another great game yeah. from him. That guy's a beast. Um, good linebacker play, too. So I, I've heard a lot of people kind of dissing the Hoosiers, saying, oh, it shouldn't be ranked 10th. Um, you know, they're not as good as, as people are making them out to be. And I'll say, you know, offensively, they haven't been, like, lighting the world on fire. But this is a damn good defense. I don't think people are giving it enough credit. Damn good defense. Pretty good special teams from what I've seen. The offense is good. It's not it's good. great. I mean, it was another kind of uh, Penix day. Um, 25 of 38, 320 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. You know, there's always a couple throws that you feel like yeah. you want to pull back. Stevie Scott with another 84-yard day, unfortunately, 3.7 yards. So, like, that's kind of where maybe some people are pulling from. Yeah. Like, it hasn't looked great no. offensively. So that And that's fair. There, some it's of that fair. I'd, I'd like to fair. see him run the ball a little bit better. Yeah. And yeah, Penix, he just, like you said, he'll make a couple throws. He's got that gunslinger in him where – you know, like Brett Favre would make a throw. He'd be like, no, come on, don't, you can't make that throw. Because he just has so much confidence in yeah. his arm. Yeah. So it's kind of a good thing, bad thing. Um, but overall, I mean, I think we're both on the same page here. Indiana was is, I already kind of already said, but there's been no doubt, other than maybe Penn State, 
they were the better team by the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, they have deserved every single win yeah, they've got. Sure. So I don't, I don't want to talk like that. Um, but the other on, thing about the offense is they're incredibly efficient in the red zone. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Yes. So they don't they don't move the ball tremendously, but when they get their opportunities, they take advantage of them. It's which very is what interesting. Good teams there's do. a couple offenses in this conference that are exact opposite. They're moving right. the ball in between the twenties, but not scoring. If I could switch over to Michigan State a little bit, I'm kind of wondering if something was put on film last week versus Iowa that is now going to be on film uh, with Rocky Lombardi because um, he got pulled pretty quick, and then uh, uh, Mr. Thorne came in. Did a little bit better to yeah. move the offense, I guess, to a certain degree. But you know, both of them finished with uh, not even a hundred or 131 yards passing total. Three picks between the two. It was a, a a rough day for the Michigan State passing attack. I mean, it was a good idea to pull Rocky. The guy, if you factor in his his negative rushing, <laughs> rushing, he had 10 total yards. Yes. on the day. Yes, that was ugly. But that but this is on the entire offense you can't put this all on rocky lombardi no, that's fair and i mean there's there's no threat of a running attack right now the pass blocking is not fantastic like neither quarterback looks comfortable and this is this is kind of what's crazy so michigan state's offense they're out they're outputting their three losses first game 369 yards mm-hmm. second game 286 yards next game 191 yards they Ooh. are trending down their point totals 27 7 and now 0 yikes so they have averaged 282 yards of offense and 11 points per game in their three losses but to try to do a silver lining for Michigan State yep the one game that they did win where they just blew out their rival Michigan yep. is looking like basically from Michigan stands Michigan State fans point of view the the uh um, John L. Smith misery index, I think is only at a 5.5. 5.5 is where it's at right and, now. And I get what he's saying. It's like, there's some acceptance that's happening with Michigan state fans where they hmm. realize this is not a good team, but as them in Michigan just sink to the bottom, they're always going to be one step higher than Michigan yeah. because they beat. Them. No, they can't, they can't be like at the worst misery right and it's impossible after beating i don't care how bad michigan is this year doesn't they're, matter nope they're still going to be able to hold that over so that's you know and, and it's too bad that they're that they their quarterbacks can't get the ball out to these receivers because they're good like, receivers i really like their wide receivers I, I would love to see them with with you know a little i don't know i guess maybe a different quarterback maybe maybe a different offensive line but it yeah. feels like they're almost i think a lot them. of it comes down to the offensive line for me yeah but it's good to see Peyton Thorne out there. Yeah. I wanted to get a look at him, and he kind of looks like I you know, kind of expected him. He didn't have a great game, but it's his first start. He's still a freshman. But he, he had that combo going to his former high school teammate, Jaden Reed. Yep. That was cool to see. But, yeah, he's got like a – I mean, when I – yeah, I followed the guy since he was back in high school, and I always kind of felt like he was Lewerke-ish. Okay. He was, looked a little bit Lewerke-ish. Lewerke-ish, okay. I, I like thought that. so. All right. But a couple. But it's na- a good it's a good time to work him in. See how he does. Might as well. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. But a couple names. Naquan Jones had some amazing plays yesterday on the D line. Jacob Panishuk had another great game. Antoine Simmons had an awesome game, and then freshman Angelo Gross with that big interception. So yep. there's there's some things to look forward to here. There absolutely is. I mean, I know this is this is a big if, but if Minnesota, or, uh, Michigan State had just a pretty good offense. This would be a good team. Yeah, and because you know, their defense. Point I'm trying to get is their defense is good. It, it is good, but here's another thing about their offense: they only held the ball for 20 minutes in this game. Yeah. So you can't. I mean, yeah, 191 is bad, 
But it's not that bad because the Hoosiers were just controlling the clock. Correct. Game. Correct. It, I, you have to put a lot of this on the Hoosiers. With the win, the Hoosiers move to a very impressive 4-0. and The Spartans fall to 1-3. and Next game up, Illinois 23, Rutgers 20. The Illini with 442 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights 422. Scarlet Knights were favored by six and a half, so not only did Illinois cover, they got the outright win. The over-under was 51.5. Was very happy to see that finish below that number. So really, this was the juice point oh coming out party. Yeah, but we should make it clear. His nickname on the team is not Juice. Even though, you know, Isaiah Williams was Juice back in, you know, the the, the 2000s. That's, nickname- by the way, that's where we come from. Where we came to the juice point of. Right, but his nickname is actually One. People yeah, call him One because of his number. And that goes all the way back to But we're not school. his teammates, so I'm just going to keep going with juice point oh. That's fine. Okay, all right, cool. I'm, I'm cool with that, but I, I want to point out that I had three white flag teams, remember, from the preview episode? Yep. So Penn State was one of them. Yep. Michigan was one of them. Illinois was the other one. Yep. They did not give up. I agree. So I have to eat my words on that one. And maybe it was because you threw the reverse psychology out in the universe and maybe you back. But yeah, I mean, I, I, truth be told, I took Rutgers the cover here and I was wrong. I, I, because of the white flag, because Rutgers had just showed so much piss and vinegar. And I, I, but, and Illinois was just piss, but, (laughs) but, (laughs) but in this game, both teams, Showed piss and vinegar. I no, mean, they did. I, I was very impressed by Illinois' just fight in this game. I mean, they fight had to come was back a couple times. They had too. to come back. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that didn't go their way. Isaiah's got to take care of that ball more, man. He he does not carry that thing secure. No, He's, no. He had a couple fumbles. Um, but I did, you know, we talked about the game plan. What was the game plan? And we both said, run the damn ball. Which run. Is what they did? They did exactly yep. what I wanted them to do. I mean, do. only, so 18 pass attempts for Juice, 7 of 18. Yep. For only 104 yards, it's not a it's not a confident stroke right now for Juice. No, no, no. But but here's the thing: he's got a live arm. He and, does, and he's got a good release too. If he can just get to the point where he can complete like 50 percent of his passes, for he, real, he is going to be unbelievable. Honestly, got uh, who he reminds me of is uh, uh, Kyler for, Murray. Is what yes, he looks like. Thank you. That's yes. what he looks like. I, I was literally just going to Kyler Murray. I mean, he's a little jitterbug out there. He, he is, is so quick. He is in insanely quick yes like there is no defensive like if they get their hands on him it's over but sure you gotta get your hands on him first i mean he's a little jitterbug out there he's quick as a hiccup he's so talented he th- there's i mean you can tell why that guy at one point was considered a five-star athlete he's that athletic he's insanely athletic and again i th- I think it, he can develop into a good passer. He's got a good arm. And he doesn't even have to develop into a good passer. He just has to develop into a pretty good passer. When, when he would do those little pop passes, too, you yeah. can't defend that. No. Nobody can defend that. No. Like it's that. A, I'll say this much, and this is in defense of Rutgers. I'm glad as an Iowa fan that that wasn't the first time. If Because any, any team that would have been put in that situation were the first time they're going against Juice. Yep. It, 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 when you don't have any kind of film on him, they you could sure. tell Rutgers was was gripping. To, they oh, were yeah. trying to adjust on the fly for what Juice Point was doing to him. Yeah, it's exciting thinking about what he could be in the future, and and also you know we've been talking about 
love you ball. They haven't been turning the ball over. Illinois hadn't been, but that seems to be back now. They they forced three big turnovers, three big interceptions, in fact, in the second half. So I guess that brings us over to the other team, Rutgers. Again, I really, I really like this Rutgers defense. Their linebackers, I love their linebackers. Fadukasi and Tyshawn Fogg. They Fogg's are both been, excellent. Yeah, Fogg's been showing out. And those are, by the way, those are those are um, Rutgers guys. Those yeah. are not the transfers. Like right. everyone's like, oh sure, they got some good players because they got transfers. No, those are Rutgers guys. Um, their defensive line is solid. I still Dwumfor is playing great still. DBs are solid. But then you look at the offensive side, and boy, if they just they just need a quarterback. Okay, if they had a quarterback. This would be a pretty solid team. I mean, v- Vedrill's. Eh, okay, I know he made a but lot here's, of mistakes. Okay, here's 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 what I'm saying. Okay, if before the game I would have told you that Illinois had 104 yards passing, yep. and that the Rutgers stats for their main players would be uh, uh, Vedral with 259 yards, two touchdowns, Isaiah Pacheco with 134 yeah. yards rushing, and Melton with 150 yards receiving and two touchdowns, you're saying. Yeah, they probably Rutgers, won that Rutgers game. won that game going away. The problem is, on the other side of the stat line, holy cow, I mean, we haven't even really talked about this, 338 yards rushing yeah. for Illinois. They had a 5.7 yard on average on 59 carries. So not only did um, uh, Juice Point o have all those yards, Chase Brown went off too, yeah, 131 yards rushing. I mean... I guess we're geniuses because we told Illinois to run the ball. They right. took it seriously. And this is how Illinois wins games is by running the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year when they got on more of a winning streak, it is running the ball and forcing turnovers. What did they do in this game? Yeah, ran the ball, forced turnovers. Unfortunately, uh, um, Alex Pelchewski, the, the, their, their big run-blocking right tackle, he got injured in this game. So I'm not sure what that was, but it looked pretty serious. Um, yeah, Pacheco, I'm glad you mentioned him. You know, I, I, with, with better, I guess with better quarterback play in this game, they win this game easily. Rutgers. Rutgers does. Okay. I mean, three interceptions in the second half. And with half. better quarterback play throwing the ball for Illinois, they win the game by two or three touchdowns. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. By the way, um, James McCourt had those two misses at the end of the game there. Where we had He had two chances to go up. They were tied at 20. Right, 20. And he missed both of them. I thought the... Even choosing to kick that 54 was a horrible, horrible call, call. By, by Lovey. Not a good call. The other one, the 45-yard, I, I guess I kind of agreed with kicking that one, but he missed that one too. But I tell you what, I have faith in James McCourt. I knew he was going to make that third kick. So did I. I knew it. I had confidence in that too. Yeah. And I had the under in this game, so I had zero desire for that thing to go into sure. overtime because that's an under killer. I was happy to see it go through for that reason. I was happy to see it go through for your for for my podcast partner too, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But so let's let's talk a little bit more about that rushing total, though. So I don't want to, to like I don't want that to take away from Rutgers and what they're doing defensively. I mean, nobody was gonna stop Isaiah from getting his yards, not without having something on film, like I said. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Fun day. Uh, with the win, the Illini moved to one and three. The Scarlet Knights fall. Two, one, and three. Next game up, maybe the best one of the weekend. In fact, it's probably not even really up for debate now that I think about it. Nebraska 30, Penn State 23. Now, here's some totals here. Yeah. 
The Huskers with 298 yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions 501. Very strange. It Penn did, State did it again. 200 yards yeah. total offense more and than their still opponent. Lost. And still lost. So the Nittany Lions favored by three and a half over under 55.5. So uh, pretty easy cover uh, for Nebraska, I would say. And this thing wound up staying under. That was pretty much a um, uh, miracle that that happened. Uh, tense moment. The entire second oh half gosh. for Nebraska fans. Um, I'm sure you were pretty much doing the same thing. I, I know it was a little bit tougher because you had the Illinois game on at the same time, but I was mostly watching the Penn State Nebraska game, um, watching Nebraska fans butts clench more <laughs> and more as the second half went on by following them on Twitter was was one of the most entertaining things of the entire weekend. And and and. That's no knock on Nebraska fans necessarily because we've all been there, right? When oh, yeah. You, when you don't have a ton of faith in your football program to pull things out, yep. which Nebraska has been struggling to come up with the wins, and even more so they've been struggling to come up with offense in the second half. Meanwhile, Penn State has kind of gotten to be known as a second-half hot team. Yeah. Both of those things, I think, wound up coming true, but in the end... The story of the game for two weeks in a row now was Nebraska's defense overall yeah. looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 kind of. I mean, they gave up 500 yards, but the thing that they did is when they needed to step up, they stepped up. There you go. And their linebackers played pretty, a pretty good game. Uh, Williams with that strip sack. And, and I mean, that reminds me of like the old day He's Husker safety, defense. But, um, oh, safety. Yeah. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, it. Uh, that play right there, um, and you really got to put that play on Sean Clifford. That is just you just can't do that. I mean, it was it was a it was a good blitz call. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He got there sudden, but you have got to protect the ball, especially if you're not a young quarterback. With Sean Clifford, is not that was a huge play in the game. I'm almost positive that got to that got Nebraska to. Maybe it led to a field goal. I know it was 10 nothing. Maybe that was 17 nothing at that point. I'm I think it might have been. On it. But huge play in the game. And, you know, we got a lot of quarterback situations going on here. Yeah, but. I know. I want to talk about that. So, Sean Clifford, you know, I've, I've said this all year that I like him. I don't love him. They put Will Levis in there, and I thought Will Levis was basically Sean Clifford. Yes, a little bit better. Did nope. you think so? Yes, a little bit mm. better. I mean, Sean Clifford threw a pick on only eight attempts and also had the fumble. Uh, Will yeah. Levis, no picks on uh, 31 attempts, and he wound up with 61 yards rushing. Yeah. I mean, but, I, but didn't But he... they came back. They came back with, with Levis at, at quarterback. But the crazy thing is um, Penn State, 245 yards rushing in this game. Right. They struggled coming into this game running the ball and they, and they held got, the, the ball 36 minutes cracked it's weird to look down these stats and see that they lost was it indiana was that the other game that where they outgamed them by 200 yards and still lost it's all the other games except for ohio state oh was it all they've done that I'm, three times we should have looked that up but i am fairly certain that all three times all three of their losses Boy, not to ohio state they have outgained their opponent that is some well outgained but yes. not by 200 yards no, not by 200 yards but, but i think they outgained indiana by i'm 200. pretty sure they did or i don't know if it was quite that much but it was quite a bit point being is Penn State is finding ways to to beat themselves and well we talked about i i felt i thought this would come down to who is the better coach on Saturday. And I think Frost was the better coach on Saturday. Yeah, and then switching back over to Nebraska, I, I, I'll agree with that. But there are times where I think in the second half, 
Scott Frost can just get by playing checkers, and he's trying to play 3D chess with the play calling. Okay. Brother Simple Getting too down, cute. I, that's what it feels. And I've seen a lot from Nebraska fans, too, so I feel like I can make that, that well, assessment. And, you know, and he, he's, he's lost 10 single-score games in his time at Nebraska, and this just felt – I was like, oh, no, do not collapse. Do not do this again. Because it do, started feeling like it. It – so especially with Penn State having two shots at the end zone yep. at the end of the game to tie it and, up, and the defense stepped up, they did. But um, I was cheering for Nebraska in this game because I picked Nebraska to win, and I wanted to be right. And so I was a, a Husker fan for the day, and I was just like, "No, do not do this to me. Do not do this to me." And thankfully, the defense stepped up and didn't let it happen. Uh, Luke McCaffrey stepped in. Yeah. So um, uh, two a.m. healthy. I mean, he was available to play. Didn't even step on the field. And I want to give no. him a shout out because I never saw him complain. He yep. was coaching up the, like, I think he's a good dude, but I do think the better quarterback started in this game. And I don't know. I, I feel like the same as Penn State. I feel like Luke McCaffrey is Adrian Martinez. I'm not I, saying, I'm not saying it's head and shoulders better, but Frost has talked on numerous times about the tempo of the offense being a huge part of their identity and what yeah. they do. I feel like there is a better tempo mm. with Luke McCaffrey. So he had 152 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. Led the team in yeah. rushing, uh, 67 yards and a touchdown. Here's the issue, though. I looked up, so 146 yards rushing for Nebraska. Yep. But you take the Luke McCaffrey out of it. Only 79 yards rushing for running backs for Nebraska, and that's a 3.2-yard average. And that's been happening all year. And there's an – I just – I don't want to piss on Nebraska's, you know, parade here, but, like, there's an identity crisis going on even in the win because this this is not how, how Scott Frost pictured the wins coming. This no. is – like they're winning on defense, and to be honest with you, special teams. They, their kick, their kicker made three field goals. And you know what else I liked? Those two heady plays. That one punt return, and then the field goal, the missed field goal return. Those were big, like field position changers that I don't think they would have done in the past. I, no. I felt like the team was just playing with a better, you know, mentally prepared, more mentally prepared and ready. Absolutely. I mean, it's a more rounded football program now than it was last year. Definitely two years. I would go so far as to say if they don't have good special teams, punting, that was a huge punt, I think I already said at the end of the game, three made field goals. If this is the same kicking and and punting situation that Nebraska had last year, they don't win this game. Probably I mean, true. that was, that was a, a huge deal. But in the end, it is going to be interesting to see what this Nebraska offense shapes into. I think yeah. they're definitely going to stick. They're still trying to with, figure it out. They they very much so are. So you think they'll go with McCaffrey for the rest of the way? I, I They they just got their first win in yeah. quite some time with him at quarterback. I, just, I mean, I didn't think it looked that different. I mean, and still, you know, it's not a good thing to have your quarterback being the leading rusher. Which no, I about. definitely think they um, want to get. Um, but it was good to see him get Wondell Robinson a little more involved, but he, he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. He did get 16 attempts running the ball, and it's great seeing Xavier Betts break out and have a good game. Two receptions, 54 yards, and a touchdown. He him. is a talent. You can see talent at the wide receiver spot, but it's still not experienced and just mm -mm. comfortable enough. You can still see that this offense is – another year away, I believe, from happening. But right yeah. now, you have to be encouraged because that's two weeks in a row. And you could maybe even say 
three games in a row, if you conclude out Ohio State, where the defense looked better, that was a big part of the reason why I picked Nebraska to win the game and to keep this entire game under because I think this is what – I think we've got – opportunities to make money with Nebraska being hmm. involved because everybody keeps popping up their number yeah. thinking these big numbers are going to happen. But what people don't realize is this is, a, this is essentially a struggling offense and a, in a defensive coached team. And I think you're going to see a lot of uh, opportunities to go under when Nebraska's involved. So let's talk a little bit about James Franklin, because I've heard a lot of hate for James Franklin. Um, we know he's going through some personal stuff and we also knew this is going to be a weird year. I, I'm I don't even start with the, the hot seat stuff. No, it's not going to happen. No. I mean, number one, these athletic departments are strained with finances. Correct. That's just something people um, completely just forget about. J- James Franklin has had his gaffes. Okay. I will give yeah. you that. There's some game management stuff, but clean program from every, any sources I have. I mean, I've, I've never sure. heard anything either Vanderbilt or Penn state. Um, a good dude. I don't know how to yeah, say it. Like, I, I like the him. recruiting is good. Very good. Like in all honesty, like that guy has been great at everything except for a couple gaffes here and there. And dude's got to find a quarterback. He's got to find a quarterback. You can even go back sure. to his Vanderbilt days. There's been some issues. Yeah. His best experience or his best success has come with Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. We, we, I'm pretty sure he inherited at Penn State, or I could be wrong. No, no. He, he was he recruiting him at okay. Vanderbilt, and then he followed okay. James Franklin okay. to so Penn State. Him. Okay, I take that back then. But, but he was only he was a mid-three-star guy. He was not a highly ranked guy at all. He's just a gritty dude that yeah. played football. I mean, it's just something I feel like if Penn State is going to take that proverbial next step, it's got to be at different play from the quarterback position. For sure. And one more thing. I talked about this being a white flag team. I, they certainly are not playing good football, but they weren't give. They didn't give up. They did not, and that's another sign for James Franklin that his team yeah. didn't quit, and they kept battling for him. So, with the win, the Huskers moved to one and two because they missed the game versus Wisconsin, and the Nittany Lions dropped to a very disappointing zero and four. The only winless team in the Big Ten. That's crazy, isn't right it? Now, had anybody have that on their bingo card Mercy. for for the two thousand twenty season? Yikes! So. Uh, no afternoon game uh, because the Big Ten kind of moved things around, but, yeah, but not we, quite enough. I we mean, gotta give Kevin Warren we'll some give credit, a little credit there because he moved the Illini game up by an hour. Yep, to to back like, back. I should and say then moved back. the Northwestern uh, Purdue game up by so. like an hour and a half. Yep. I think so. so that, that was good. It covered some, most of the afternoon. It did. It gave it, us like an hour, hour and a half gap in there, which wasn't too bad. So Kevin Warren, good job there. Unfortunately, I wish this game could have been earlier in the afternoon because then we would have had a chance to switch to a different game. Wisconsin, 49, Michigan, 11. The Badgers with 468 yards of total offense to the Wolverines, 219. Badgers were favored by four and a half. Obviously, easily covered that. This over-under is 53.5. I was mad that this went over for financial reasons. Sure. And it didn't deserve to go over because this is one of those deals where one team's offense is so bad, it actually leads to the over because they they just keep giving the ball back to the other team on a short field to score. Dude, this was... Okay, all right. I tried to make myself a mental note. Like, we're going to obviously talk 
about the dumpster fire that is Michigan. We have to, right? Yeah. Now I want to say what I get upset with is I listen to other podcasts and they don't mention Wisconsin at all. They just go right to Michigan and that's the whole thing. Yeah, so we I don't want to do that. I don't want to fall in that trap because let's point this out. Michigan did beat Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. They were down to the wire with Michigan State. Correct. Uh, didn't look great versus Indiana nah, by any means. That, but not at all. Nobody, none of those three teams did to Michigan what Wisconsin did here. Well, so my question about Wisconsin was, are they going to be rusty? They were not rusty. They were rusty. They were rested. <laughs> Nice. From two weeks. Boy, and, I guess so. And boy, they came out of the gate and just, I mean, this was over from the kickoff, essentially. I i confess, I kind of stopped even paying attention to this game by halftime. I mean, I was watching from a holy cow car wreck type of deal. And also because the over-under meant something to me. Um, I mean, some of this stuff here. Okay. Uh, uh, 341 yards rushing for Wisconsin in yeah, this game. That's crazy. Crazy stat. Uh, this is for, I got I, I got this from from Tom Fernelli on on Twitter. So okay. I want to give him a, a heads up. Love me some Tom. He, I, I do like Tom. He's Fernelli. an Illini. Yep. Go Very Illini. dry sense of humor. Oh yeah. I like him. In the last two meetings, Wisconsin has rushed for uh, last two meetings between Wisconsin and and Michigan. Okay. Wisconsin has rushed for seven hundred yards and ten touchdowns. That is unreal. That is insane. I, so that is. Wisconsin doing what they do and imposing their will on the Michigan Wolverines. And that's a, like, you know, we know that, uh, that Wisconsin has great offensive lines, but they're doing that against a couple pretty good defensive lines, especially last year for, for Michigan. That they, insane. They, and, I mean, 341 and, yards rushing, not one guy had 100 yards. That's the thing. The they spread it out. But here's what's kind of scary, kind of scary, but kind of not. Like Jalen Berger was their leading rusher. He's he's the freshman, the big phenom out of Jersey. So he looked kind of human, don't you think? Like he was good, but he looked human. He looked good, but nobody was touching him. Well, I, I mean, and I guess that's my point. Is right. Like, so here's here's the thing. Um, so 51 carries. For uh, Badger ball carriers, between nine guys, nine guys carried the ball. Wow. They just kept running that jet sweep yep. over and over again. It worked. Because <laughs> like jet sweep is mostly supposed to be used as a kind of a diversion. Sure. You want to try to draw linebackers over, maybe a safety to pop up yep. runs in the typical running You want to do it to keep the, them honest. The you don't expect sweep. it to keep working, keep working, keep so working. So when asked about this, I don't know if you saw this. When asked about this, Paul Chris, he's, what did you see? For, to keep using uh, the continued use of the jet sweep, Paul Chris said, I saw it working. <laughs> Dude. I mean, Paul Chris is not Mr. Excitement, but when, That's he pretty just, good. when he deadpans delivers ones, it's pretty funny. That's pretty good. So um, now on the other side of it, I mean, I don't exactly know what the conditions were, but Graham Mertz, only 12 of 22 for 127 yards. It wasn't like he had to chuck the ball, but he was efficient. Two touchdowns. Uh, Jake Ferguson. I don't know if you know this, by the way. Uh, he's Barry Alvarez's grandson. He is. You Did mean you know the that? commissioner, Commissioner yes. Alvarez? <laughs> Anyways, Jake Al or uh, Jake Ferguson had a great game. He was all over the place, and then Wisconsin's defense just like, it was seek and destroy. So I was I I like calling the Michigan offense the Joe Milton show because it's basically all they have is yes. Joe Milton. But it yeah. was a really bad episode. <laughs> 
the it was like season one, like when they haven't quite figured out uh, yeah. you know, how the they characters don't know are. What, and... who, who, what the characters are. They don't know. They don't have chemistry yet. Yeah, it was a bad episode of the Joe Milton show. All right, so switching over to Michigan. All right, who who wants to start uh, listing out the horrible stats? Um, well, or, I or mean, points of history. I don't even know how you say this. Oh yeah, why don't you do that? Let's okay. start with that. This is the worst first half, twenty-eight to nothing. Which, by the way, is the score of the uh, the or the Wisconsin Michigan last year, twenty-eight to nothing. Worst first half in the history of Michigan Stadium, the Big House, which was built and commissioned in nineteen twenty-seven. So worst half of all time. And by worst half, you mean like the the D- biggest deficit, biggest deficit, twenty-eight points. Wow, I hadn't seen that. Okay, worst loss. At home since 1935. Wow. The 1-3 start is the worst start since 1967. Wow. We got a lot of firsts going on here. I got another one. You want to hear another yeah. crazy one? After the Minnesota game, okay? So they played Michigan State, Indiana, and then the first half of this game, okay? In those two and a half games, which is five halves, okay? Ten yep. quarters. No sacks. Or turnovers in oh. five halves. They, they had finally, no sacks? No sacks, no turnovers versus, versus either Michigan State or Indiana or in the first half of this game. Wow. That's no sacks, unbelievable. No turnovers. They finally got a turnover or a sack late in the fourth quarter in this game. Otherwise, we were that close to going... Three straight games with no sacks. And That's turnovers. just not even acceptable with the with the level of talent they have on defense. I mean, okay, so two hundred nineteen yards overall. Oh God, Joe Milton. There, there was a there was a there was a poll I saw at one point. What's what will have uh, more by the end of the game? Wisconsin points or Michigan yard total? Because <laughs> at one point it was twenty one in like. Six. Oh Lord. So Joe Milton was nine and 19, 98 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. They only ran the ball 19 times because they only possessed the ball for 19 minutes that's and 45 insane. seconds in this game. My guess is that's probably another Michigan record for time of possession. You remember being down. Okay. Let's go back to like the rich rod era or even the Hoke era. And remember just thinking it, it will never get worse than this. Saturday I, night was worse. It was. This is this might be the worst performance I've ever seen from a Michigan team. I can't remember who said it, tweeted it, but a, a, a bigger Michigan guy that I followed says, you know it's bad when Ohio State fans aren't even talking trash. It's just, it's, it's right, almost gotten to the up. point where Ohio State fans are like, I think they almost feel, I don't think they do feel sorry They don't for feel Michigan, bad, but, but it's, it's almost like, like, what's the point of even piling on? Correct. It's you not, know how not even you worth are. my effort. You know, leading tackler, Daxton Hill, your safety, you don't ever like to see that. Again, no interceptions. I There's just very little to say positive. So let's talk about khaki pants. What happens with khaki pants? I think he is going to ride out this season, and I think he's going to quit. I've heard a lot of grumble. I've heard a lot of people say there is no way. Okay, uh, is it Jack Bacon, uh, the, the big Michigan autobiography oh yeah guy. sure okay i don't think it's jack but it's john bacon john, john bacon, bacon. There yeah you go. um he said listen jim harbaugh is not getting fired Oof. and he's I got don't know a, how that's possible but he said but i didn't say there's no other way they part ways right so that's that a- to me is alluding to 
they think Harbaugh will just step down. I, I mean, I don't know what else. But if is. he doesn't, I I think someone has a conversation with him and says, "Look, you don't want us to fire you, do you? Why don't you just step down? You're a Michigan guy. Do what's right for the program. Correct. Something like that. Yeah. But I mean, I don't feel like this Harbaugh can't... and his his out of this world ego. Ego is just going to, I don't know. See, I, but I feel like his ego's been so defeated that he just wants to take his ball and go home. Could I be. don't think he wants any more of this. Can you envision any situation which we see this again next year? I just can't imagine that. And my question would be, if it was a quote-unquote normal year, how much different would this look? It wouldn't look different. I think it would look a little bit better. I don't know, man. Okay. I don't know why. Why? I mean, everyone's maybe playing just with the a, same rules here. Maybe just a little bit of time with a young quarterback. I mean, we just talked about how yeah. that affected Iowa, but but maybe teams that have the younger quarterbacks have gotten affected the most. And this I don't year. want to bash Milton too much. It's not his fault. I don't I think mean, so either. It's I'm, so I, you I, see the talent with Milton. Yeah, it, definitely. So I don't want people to take it the wrong way. I'm not blaming Joe Milton. I'm blaming the Wolverines. Correct. The head coach, the offensive coordinator, and then dummy Don Brown, too, on the other side. Big I mean, dumb, they just... Dumb, dumb, dumb Don Brown. Dumb, dumb, Don Brown. Daddy, dumb, dumb Brown? Which way are we going to do it? I mean, 19 minutes and 45 seconds. That's so bad. That is so bad. And then when they really pissed me off is at the end of the game, they just couldn't bow up for two minutes to let Wisconsin out of the damn end zone to keep that thing under. Or scoring the touchdown in the first place. Just, just... Right. Take the 49 to three loss and move on with your life. So, you know, they, with khaki pants, he always depends on having the better, the better athletes, right? Yeah. But I mean, he has when, no when chance like, winning a game. You said khaki pants depends on, I'm wondering if depends are under <laughs> the khaki pants right now. Cause he's shitting himself a little bit. Uh, he needs to change them. <laughs> um, but, but he, he's always depending on having the better athletes, right? When he yeah, doesn't have maybe. the better athletes, he never wins. Another and he, stat. Another stat. I believe I, I might be off by like one. He is now 0 and 11 as an underdog. Wow. So he's only been an underdog 11 times. Maybe it's 10. I don't know, but I'm pretty well, there sure. There you go. That proves my point. 11 times he's been an underdog. 0 and 11. Never won one of them. But here's the That's other thing. That's incredible. That is, that is incredible. How does one of those teams not turn the ball over three times and you just eke out a crappy win? I know. But but here's the thing is they did not have the, the better athlete. Wisconsin's way more talented than Michigan. I don't – I absolutely am. And, and, you know, so throw the recruiting rankings out the window because he always out-recruits Wisconsin. It doesn't look like it. He ain't out-developing them. That's for he sure. He ain't developing them. He ain't evaluating them. And – I so you said ego. I think that's the reason he leaves is because his ego is too big and he doesn't want to go through this again. So I say ego is why you would stay. You say ego is why he goes. Yes, it's interesting. He, I'm not fighting you on this. He, he he can't possibly go through this again. With the win, the Badgers move to two and zero. Oh, the Wolverines fall to a very disappointing one and three. Lastly, our Big Ten game of the week. Northwestern 27, Purdue 20, the Wildcats with 292 yards of offense. I swear to God, that's what they've had every week. I know. It's like almost the exact same. I know. I, honestly, I think it was 272 last or two well, weeks look at all their game. I mean, with the exception of Maryland, all their games are the same pretty much, right? Boilermakers with 265 yards of total offense. Shout out to Chappie. He talked me into taking the, uh, the Wildcats in this game, and that played out. 
They were favored by two and a half points, so they won that somewhat easily. 50.5. This was actually down to a 48-point over-under by game time. So it went under by one point. Oh, gosh. Those guys are good, aren't they? And I had the over here. Yeah. So here's another thing, too. And again, I feel like any Northwestern fans listen to this podcast. I know they hate us by now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, Um, they probably enjoy hating us, though. I think, but that's part of the deal. They they love hearing the anguish in our voice, right? That's the draw. I I know I would. Here's, Here's something. Okay. The rushing stats for Northwestern. Okay. This is almost identical to what happened at Iowa. They had 80 yards rushing is all on 40 carries. I just don't 40. understand. And and here's I don't understand how hey, you win I a football. I think I can do math. That's a 2-yard <laughs> average. Okay, I don't understand how you win a football game like that. Yet they do it all the time and and never during this game did I think they were going to lose. At Not once. No at no moment. There was one time where I thought maybe Purdue at the end of the game was going to was going to brom it up and get down the field and tie it up. And Northwestern just stopped it. But see, that's why it's even more remarkable is all it takes is like one big play because they're always winning these games by usually one score. So all it takes is one fluke play for them to lose a game, and it just never happens. And the other team knows that, and they play tight, and yep. that's what happens. Probably. So you asked, how do you win a game with Northwestern yeah. getting 80 yards on 40 carries? Say. I know what you're going to say. By Purdue having two yards <sighs> on 17 carries. That's, we know Purdue, you know, n- n- not known for a, a you know dynamic rushing attack. Two yards on 17 carries, a .1 yard average. Oh, my God. And, and really, like, I started watching the game, and it made perfect sense to me, okay? Love you, uh, um, uh, Xander uh, Horvath. Horvath, sorry. Yep. Love you, Xander Hor- Horvath, but... A running back that's going to crease the, these linebackers. You, you need more speed. You need more foot speed than than Mister Horvath. Okay. He just ran right into the linebackers every time. I mean, well, okay. So ten what, carries. Ten carries. Twenty one yards for Xander Horvath. Yeah. Like there was just there was no room to to operate versus these Northwestern no. linebackers. I mean, there was no room pretty much for the entire offense. Um, David Bell. They threw to him. Nine, so nine catches, 78 yards. They threw to him way more than that. I mean, sure. it was obvious that that okay. Brom wanted to do the game plan that me and you laid out, sure. which is toss it all over. Northwestern didn't allow it. Well, and we got to give Greg Newsom credit because Greg Newsom was on David Bell. That's the only – I think that's the only defender I've ever seen kind of limit David Bell. I would – if I was uh, any team playing Purdue the rest of the year, I would put the film on on what he did, what the technique was. He was awesome. And copy it because he looked good. Okay. Speaking of defenders, you know how I like to yes, <laughs> talk right. about their, their linebackers, right, at Northwestern. So guess who the – guess just take a guess. Who were the top three tacklers? Was it maybe their three linebackers? <laughs> it was all three linebackers. Did they all go double digits? No, they didn't. They did but not. you know why? Because they were throwing the ball so much. Yeah. There was there was no way they were ever going to all. No, go. in fact, that's, that's a good point. In fact, none of them did. Bergen went with nine, Gallagher five, and Patty Fisher five. But those were their three leading tacklers. Instead, they just had their hands up in passing lanes the entire day long, making it horrible for for uh, Aiden O'Connell to really get much. I mean, Aiden O'Connell fifty one attempts, two sixty three, two touchdowns. I mean, to a certain degree. He did whatever he could, especially when you yeah. – but there's no running attack. No. Like, it was all – I mean, the funny thing was at some point, 
Jeff Brom, I don't know if this was the plan of attack, you know, even going into the game, but they're like, screw it, just dump it off to Xander Horvath. He had nine catches, 100 yards receiving. Let him let him in receiving. And that's what's going to be interesting to see to me is, is that the crease that, that Northwestern gives up? Because sure. I, there was a couple times where I felt Iowa could have dumped it off to the running backs well. Is this get the ball, you know, get the receivers running down the field. And just dump it off. Dump it off to a quick running back and see sure. if you can get working on the. I don't know. I don't I don't see any other cracks in the armor versus the, this Northwestern defense right I mean, now. Their their defense is amazing. It and is I, incredible. I, I should also suffocating. point out that all three linebackers had a tackle for loss, too. So they were just all over the field. Um but shout out to Peyton Ramsey, right? Yeah, Peyton had a solid game. 20, 23 of 36, 212 yards, three touchdowns through one pick there. Um, but strangely, this is the, the only weird thing. The only chink in the armor, I guess. They had seven penalties again. That's been a thing for them this year. They're, they're, they have a lot more penalties this year than, than typical Northwestern teams. And Peyton Ramsey, one time a game, throws a baffling interception. Yeah. And he had another one here. I mean... He made it up with three touchdowns, don't get me wrong, but like in a big enough game, which of course they've got coming this weekend, I think like their razor thinness is going to be even more razor thin. Yep. Peyton Ramsey is going to have to be even cleaner. And then for them to, you know, keep the win streak going, they're, they they got to they got to run the ball. They have been running the ball yardage-wise okay, but chunk plays has got to be a little bit better if they're going to win some of these big games. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're like the, typically not explosive, but let's bring up Ramad Chikai Bowman because it almost seemed like there were two David Bells out there. Oof. There was one on each team. I mean, this guy, where did he come from? Eight catches, 86 yards, and three touchdowns. He was their offense. He was yesterday. their offense. It was, it, it was pretty fun to watch. Um, Purdue, want to point out a couple guys. Derek Barnes is just a stud on their defense. Had a great game, 14 tackles, uh, two and a half tackles for loss. Lorenzo Neal had a couple big plays. Boy, that guy is as big as a house. I said he looked like Eric Cartman. That's what he's Cartman? Like. <laughs> he is built like Cartman, yeah. isn't he? Uh, in our in our one uh, big chat behind the scenes, the one of the Purdue fans said, Lorenzo Neal is putting this team on his shoulders. And I replied, and also in his belly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's a big boy. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, Purdue defense played pretty solid. Yeah. Um, just if you're going to be that one-dimensional offensively, you're just never going to beat Northwestern. I don't think so. No. No. It's not going to happen. There's got to be more complete things that you bring to the table. I mean, right at the beginning of the game, Northwestern went down the field and did their typical whatever it was, 13, 14 play drive. Probably didn't have a play over eight yards that entire drive. And I had said, well, do you like that drive? You're going to see about eight more of these. They they really didn't do a ton of that. Like Purdue's defense wound up adjusting yeah. a, a little bit. I'll give Diaco a little bit yeah. of credit there, <clears throat> but not, not good enough to, you know, shut them out essentially is what was needed from the Purdue defense in the second half. And then, yeah, there's the one dimensionality of, of Purdue on the other side. No, Northwestern is just going to feast on that. But then, you know, they still only win by seven points, right? They never blow anybody off the field. They, they're not interested in doing that. No. Because there's risks at getting up 14 to 17 points ahead. Why why do that when you know you're going to suffocate them? It's just amazing how you just... There's never an inkling that they're ever going to lose, to me, when I'm watching them. Until it's obvious that they're not going to win. Yes. That's how it goes. I know. Yeah. Like I, Another comparison I made was um, they're like the Tecmo. Like when you played Tecmo Bowl... 
and you played a guy that he wasn't really good. He wasn't good at actually playing the game, but he could just guess your plays. Like he had that uncanny ability. Because you remember in Tech Mobile, the first one was literally like, was it eight, four plays? Yeah. And the second one was four running, four passing for a total of eight plays. If somebody guessed your play, oh, yeah, that it was, was over. It, it yeah. was over. It was, right. If it was first and 10, it was second and 17 yeah, the fir- after that. The first Tech Mobile had four offensive four plays. Four offensive. Yeah. yeah. That was Northwestern. That's Northwestern. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I, they guess your play. They just know it because they're that smart. I don't know. I mean, I've been talking up those linebackers, but boy, they're Greg, even better Greg Newsom. Yeah. That dude, he's a pro, first of all. There's no doubt. He's a no doubt NFLer. I am he confident was, this defense can stop a lot of offenses. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, it's getting ahead of ourselves, but them versus Ohio State. I, I just want to see Ohio State's offense versus this defense. I mean, we got two big matchups next week, you know, a little prelude with Indiana, Ohio State, yep. and Wisconsin, Northwestern. Those are going to be fun games Gosh, to watch. those are going to be fun. With the win, the Wildcats move to 4-0. and The Boilermakers fall to 2-1. and uh, Last thing to say is it's already started. I can already hear it on Twitter and uh, a couple podcasts I've already listened to. With Michigan – and Penn State being a collective off the top of my head, one in seven, I believe. Sounds right. Yeah. Must mean the entire Big Ten is shit. It's yeah. already starting. It's okay. So, yeah, I want to, especially teams like Northwestern, Indiana, do not let people bring you down yeah, with that. That's fair. You are having a great season. Enjoy it. And it doesn't mean you're not as good as Michigan when they're good. And I'm sorry. I don't buy into that. And to a certain degree, if this winds up being a undefeated Wisconsin versus an undefeated Ohio state. Is it really that big a difference than now? Basically the last five years. No, I'm not. It's really not. I'm not selling out Northwestern and saying that's hundred percent what it's going to be, but I'm just saying Vegas probably lists it as Wisconsin, not losing a game. The Correct. Rest of the year. Yes. And we know that's what they have for Ohio state. The other thing that's crazy. I feel guilty even bringing this up, but theoretically Northwestern could Forfeit this game or, or COVID oh. it up in some capacity. Right. Skip it. Oh. Win the rest of their games. They would therefore be, and if, if they won out and Ohio State won out, or excuse me, Wisconsin won out, they wouldn't have the head-to-head. They would have one more win than Wisconsin. Right. And they would go to the Big Ten Championship. You could actually make an argument that it's a disservice to the Northwestern Wildcats to play this game. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that's horrible, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even want to... Fitzy's going to figure out a way to make that happen. See, and that's where I would say that's the opposite of what Fitzy would... Fitzy is not that type. No, he, he's not. He 100% wants to play this of game. Of course and, he does. And, you know, rub more people's face in the dirt. Because he wants his three linebackers to each get double-digit tackles next week. <laughs> They're going to have a chance next week. They will they? get that chance next week. All right, I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kirk. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.